beautiful hymns. I, I, I love that. That's great. That it should be the cry of every Christian's heart. Change my heart, oh God, to be like you. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the first book of Samuel. It's in the Old Testament. I'll give you just a minute to get to there. First seven verses from first book of Samuel. Samuel, and it is this is uh, Hannah, a mother who kept her vow, and it's even today if we make a vow to the Lord, we should absolutely fulfill it. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. And I hope I'm not the only one who can't get my tongue around biblical names sometime. <laughs> and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shin Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was. Year by year she went up to the house of the Lord and she provoked her there and therefore she wept and did not eat. Hannah lived in the time of the judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we were just having a discussion this morning before the service that uh, that seems to be where we are today. We're in the same predicament. Everyone does what's right in his own eyes, and uh, things have gone from bad to worse. I would suspect that lawlessness was the order of the day in Elkanah's day. This I know also that Israel would turn her back on the, the God of Israel. They would go deep into sin and they would suffer for it and they would repent and cry out to God for deliverance and God would raise up a judge to rescue them. This was a cycle of repression. It happened over and over and over. Robert Moore writes in his introduction to the book of Judges, when everyone does what is right in his own eyes, refusing to serve God, the true king of Israel, 
The way is laid open for confusion, chaos, collapse, and terrible misery. Well, that's a mouthful. And, and again, I, I just have to feel like that that's where we are today in our country. We're, we're confused and, and basically leaderless. And everyone does what is right in his own eyes, and it's a terrible situation. But this was a time in which Hannah lived. Notice first the Hannah's family situation. Elkanah was a Levite, which means that he was of the priestly tribe, and from all indications was a godly man, but like many men of his day, he practiced polygamy. Folks, we got people in our nation today that are trying, they're doing the same thing. It's being, it's being ignored. So he would take him two women for his wife, one Hannah and two Penina. Now the French call it a household of three, and there's, it seldom works. In the Old Testament, David had six wives. King David had six wives and concubines. And King Solomon, even worse, 700 wives and concubines. And I would suspect that they didn't have 10 minutes apiece in any given day in their household. None. Now, I was married to one woman for almost 60 years. And I tried to bring another wife into the situation, it wouldn't have lasted 15 seconds, and rightly so. She would have spoken up immediately. So I, I, I would never try it if it was legal. I suspect that unhappiness was not uncommon in Calcana's house as well. In, in Solomon's situation, his many wives and concubines led him away, away from the Lord and led him to worshiping idols and got him in a heap of trouble. In Proverbs chapter 31, the third verse, King Lemuel's mother seems to be warning him not to fall into the same trap. Polygamy, that is. She writes, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. And <laughs> the strange thing is that King Lemuel most probably was Solomon. And he certainly fell into that trap. Hannah's home situation was not, not the best. And as someone has pointed out, Hannah had a house, but she didn't have a home. And I suspect that's true of many people who go into polygamy. Notice next that Penina had given Elkanah several children, but Hannah was barren. And being unable to bear children was not, if that was not enough, Penina constantly reminded her of that. And 
reminded her most likely of probably how worthless she was to Elkanah. It often reduced her to tears, and this continually at year after year after year. But notice next this morning, Hannah's godly character. Herbert Lockyer, in his book, The All the Women of the Bible, calls Hannah one of the most noble Hebrews who ever lived and an inspiration to everyone and a blessing as well. I read somewhere that there is a tree in India that when the woodman starts to chop on it, it puts forth a wonderful perfume. And the more he chops, the more wonderful perfume it puts out. It smells very well. And some people, some godly people are like that. The more they're persecuted, the more godly they become. I think that that must have been true of Hannah. I'm sure that uh, Penina was not easy to live with, but Hannah kept her peace. Someone has said of her that she was a veritable lily among thorns. I like the way we say it locally, a rose between thorns. <laughs> that, I've heard that one frequently in this area. And Hannah referred to herself as a woman of sorrowful spirit. And although the Lord had closed up her womb, her heart was still open to the Lord. That God, I don't think she had a clue that God had his own plans for Hannah and her firstborn child. What comes to mind here is, any of you remember Master Life? Uh, Master Life, I had a lot of it in memory years ago, and I can't remember any of it except this verse. And it probably, this this. And it probably would uh, describe Hannah very well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It goes like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next, let's look at Hannah's prayer. You know, Christians are in a unique position. We can change the world, and we can change the future. We direct our prayers to God, and if it pleases him to grant our requests, everything, even the future, can be changed. Any of you remember Glendon Grover? He was uh, a missionary to the Amazon area, somewhere down there. I never was sure where. But he was uh, one of my instructors in Boyce Bible School. 
and he shared a little story with us about answered prayer. Now, there was clear where he was stationed down there, but he was on the Amazon River on occasion, I suppose, and he had to keep an appointment with somebody. And as he was on the river, he looked, and a, a storm was approaching, and he says it was one of those storms that lasted days. And all you could do was get out, out of the rain and wait till it passed. And he said, and his appointment must have been urgent because he prayed for the Lord to stop the storm, and he did that's uh, pretty amazing to me that we can see God still answering prayers even today. Oh, and by the way, an interesting little story about him. He was uh, somewhere down there, and some of the people on the river were just all excited. And there's a legend of a huge boar, or anaconda, I guess it is, snake that lives in a river that's like 100 feet long or so. And these people thought they had killed him, and he had to disappoint them, tell them, no, you have killed a whale. Somehow another got into the <laughs> Amazon freshwater. That ass was chasing the rabbit, I guess. But Lyndon's prayer was urgent, and Hannah's prayer was urgent. It came from the bitterness of her soul, and she wept in anguish. And then she made a vow to the Lord if he would give her a male child that she would give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. That's hard to do. I, my wife, I was not a Christian when my first daughter was born. That was 1963. That's a long time ago. <laughs> And she was born with a lung disease and a disease that, that kills many infants. And my wife dedicated our child. And she lived. And by the way, she was dedicated to the Lord her whole life. That was by her will. So Hannah was praying in the tabernacle, and her lips were moving, but she wasn't making any sound. And Eli, the priest, was there, thought she was drunk, and told her that she should stay, get off of the wine. I basically, I guess he called her a drunkard and was giving her a, showed his displeasure at her being there drunk. Not so, she said. I pray out of the abundance of my complaint and grief. And told she told her story to Eli and he pronounced a blessing upon her and from that time, Hannah was no longer sad. So let's look at how Hannah kept her vow. Scripture tells us in uh, verse 20, chapter 1, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. 
Elkanah and all his household used to go to offer sacrifices to the Lord year after year, but Hannah and her son did not go. She said, I will not go until the child is weaned, and then I will take him that he might appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Now, folks, that's, that's hard to give up a child like that, I'm quite sure. So the child must have been about four years old when Hannah brings him to the tabernacle and left him in the care of Eli the priest. Now, I don't know about you, but Eli and his sons were not the kind of people I would want to leave my infant son in care of. This, his, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they mismanaged the tabernacle and they mismanaged the sacrifices. They slept with the women who came to the tabernacle and Eli didn't bother to correct them, but the Lord finally elected, corrected all three of them. <clears throat> Somehow, some way, it's hard for us to understand, Hannah managed to communicate her great faith in the God of Israel to her young son who became Samuel, the last judge over Israel, and a prophet. He was also the one that anointed Saul as king and later David as king. So let's look at Hannah's song slash prayer, if you will, and you might want to turn to Luke chapter 1. To Mary's song, by the way. And let's compare them. I'll read uh, Hannah's song and Mary's song. And you can read Mary's song right along with it. And uh, see how, how similar they are. Hannah says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk, more, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and in him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded with strength. And those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the, hun and the hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the graves and brings up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and, and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to let him sit among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the word upon them and he will guard the feet of the saints but 
the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From, from heaven he will thunder against them, and the Lord will judge them to the ends of the earth. He will grant strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, there's a lot of similarities between those two. And uh, my Bible calls it her prayer, Hannah's prayer. Herbert Lockyer in his commentary calls it Hannah's song. Just take your pick. It's wonderful either way you look at it. But that is our message this morning on Hannah. I hope that you receive the blessing or something out of it that, uh, that can, you can apply to your life. But one thing I know, we definitely need to pray for our country. Pray for revival of the churches and revival right here. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see all these pews full? I've rarely seen that at Barton Baptist Church as well, and we are down to just a pitifully few. We normally run about, on a good morning, about 12. But you know what? We've also got a sweet, sweet spirit there that, uh, and the hope that the people will begin to come back. We'll see their need of, of the Lord and his salvation. Revival for the church and a great awakening for the nation. We've got people that are have absolutely do not see their need. They don't realize that they are sinners. They don't realize that they need to be saved. They don't near realize what the the future holds. And we need to pray for them. Great awakening and a revival. Let's pray. Father God, our nation is in trouble. We ask your blessings upon it. We do ask for a revival and a great awakening. Lord, we ask your blessings upon this church and are all here this morning. And Lord, we lift our praise and our worship and our thanks for you. For you are only our one worthy of praise. In Jesus' name I pray.